you are listening to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Boom! There it is. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Kicking off hour number three of the show, you just heard our next guest bringing us in with her ring announcer voice, Carolina Teague, League of Her Own podcast. But before we get to Carolina, Damon, what I discovered in the break after we talked to Sylvia here in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, not only is there summer hours around here, apparently that's, I guess you can get off around three, between three and four you can leave. Apparently summer hours never ended. Just never ended? It never, so it started before COVID and it just hasn't ended. So right now, when I got hired in 2021, apparently we were in summer hours and I just didn't get the memo. Man, I mean, maybe we should uh, adopt a summer hours feel for the show which, is it only Fridays? Because Danielle was a little unclear on that. Yeah, she said it was Fridays. Just Fridays. Yeah. But I, I, I swear it's Monday through Friday for some people <laughs> Now here. see, now see, now you're getting messy. Now you're getting messy, Damon. Well, Danielle was throwing some shade at me too, questioning <laughs> me. I said, I'm not on trial here. <laughs> well, Danielle, to her credit, she gets here at 6.30 in the morning every single morning. Like, I'm working at 6.30 in the morning, but I ain't working here at 6.30 in the morning. So as Sylvia leaves right now, bye, summer hours. She just rolled out on her summer hours, so Sylvia's gone. We're going to be here with you till 5 o'clock. Now, joining us on the phone lines is our good friend, Carolina Teague, League of Rome podcast. We definitely appreciate you. Carolina, I got to ask you about the XFL. Got to ask about the championship game that's happening in San Antonio, your backyard tomorrow. Uh, what are your thoughts? How exciting is that going to be? Is the city of San Antonio going to go out there and support that game? I have absolutely no clue what to expect, honestly. This is the XFL championship game, but it's going to be raining and possibly flooding overnight. Yeah, and the main area that's going to be hit is downtown, which is right where the Alamo Dome is located. So perfect place to have a championship game. This is a great football city. But unfortunately, I don't think anybody was anticipating flash flood warnings. But I'm going to be there regardless. I'm actually going to be there still, yeah. Okay, so the D.C. defenders are taking on the Arlington Renegades. So I I feel like the Arlington fans should be able to make their way to San Antonio. But you said the weather, man, so that's going to be a factor. But all in all, for this first season of the XFL, the the new version of it uh, under the Rock and and Company, uh, how did you think it went? Do you feel like it was pretty much a, a success? I definitely think it was a success. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, excitement throughout the entire season. A lot of people have been talking about how they really love the way the system is set up, with the exception of maybe the playoff system and how the championship ended up coming to fruition. But I really like the direction that the XFL is going, and I like the new ownership under The Rock and Danny Garcia. They've done an incredible job. And they're working hand-in-hand with the NFL. And, of course, a lot of XFL players are now going to be trying out for the NFL. So I think it was a successful season overall. What did you think about just some of the rule changes that they have opposed to what, you know, the NFL does? Do you see some of the things, the little, the, I don't want to say gadgets, but the little uh, features that they have? Do you see the NFL possibly adopting any of them, like even the, you know, the three-point play? Honestly, I really don't know. I don't know what to think. I I personally don't think so. I think the NFL is probably set in their ways, it seems like, and they do make small changes. But I think if the XFL had some rules that the NFL were to incorporate, those those probably wouldn't happen until several years from now. 
That makes sense. Again, Carolina Teague, a league of her own podcast, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And let's say roughness. DeMond's got one for you. When it comes to that championship game being placed in San Antonio, when it was first announced, I was like, eh, I don't know. Why do they get the championship game? Kind of wanted it to be in Vegas. But what do you expect from The Rock to be there? Because I know that he is the star behind this league. Our talks about The Rock and Danny Garcia being there? Um, I wanted The Rock to be here, and normally if he was going to be here, we would get some type of memo about it, but I've gotten my emails and I've been checking religiously if there was any announcement of The Rock being present. I would assume so. It's the championship game. This is his, this is his baby, and mm-hmm. he should be there. But for the media, for us covering it, there's been absolutely nothing on whether The Rock is going to be available for media availability like he was at the beginning of the season. And I don't know if he's going to be there because as of less than an hour ago, I've gotten an email and there's no signs of The Rock. But I want him to be there because, like I said, if The Rock shows up, everybody's going to show up. And that's actually probably one of the main reasons why I'm going to be there because I want to see him again. <laughs> is The Rock one of those dream interviews for you? Um. He's just a dream, period. Like, <laughs> so he's J-Lo. He's J-Lo for her. There you go. There yeah, you go. he's the J-Lo. He's the J-Lo. Yeah, he's definitely the J-Lo for sure. All right, when it comes to that championship game, you've got the Arlington Renegades, and they're led by former Vipers quarterback Luis Perez taking on the D.C. Defenders. Jordan Tamu, their quarterback, I know that the league has been spread out. You're only covering your local team the way I have been with the Vipers, but who do you got winning? Uh, definitely the defenders. They have the record of 9-1, and I honestly think that the uh, I honestly think that it was a fluke uh, to have this game happen because they played incredible. A lot of fans were mad that um, a team that was only three and three record and under 500 was able to compete against them. So I honestly definitely. I'm just going to go against the defender or uh, with the defender. Sorry about that. Yeah, they've been the best team in the league so far. Like you said, that record, they've been incredible. The time when they played the Vegas Vipers, I said, oh, no, this team, they can do whatever (laughs) they want. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) they're doing something a little bit different next year. I know there hasn't been talks yet, but do you think that the XFL, that it may expand? Do you think that the turnout fan wise is going to be bigger now that it's got a year under its belt and fans know what to expect? I think if it's going to be a bigger turnout, me personally, just because of all the backlash that they received um, for how the championship came about and, you know, just a team that was performing under 500 is able to go for the championship. I think that rule perhaps would need to change and they may need to readjust how the playoff system works. And I think at that point, fans would be a little bit more interesting. That would be my advice because I feel like once, that happened, a lot of people were turned off by the way the system worked. But who's to say that they're not going to make those changes and they could possibly have a better system in the future? It's kind of like similar to the NFL where you have a division that is a strong division and a great team can't make it. But, like, for example, the NFC East was terrible for several years and the Cowboys had a 
trash record as opposed to other teams, and yet they still were able to make it to the playoffs. I think those rules in the NFL and the XFL need to change, period. But it's even more prominent with the XFL. Again, Carolina Teague is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Say Roughness talking all things XFL. We'll get into some NBA as well. But I did want to ask you, I mean, again, we've seen uh, the fans come out in droves like in D.C. for the defenders, and St. Louis was was huge. Uh, how, how have you seen the, the kind of attendance around the league? I know it wasn't great here in Vegas, but in San Antonio, how was the overall attendance? So in the beginning, it was amazing, and I actually – secretly went to an XFL game without telling anybody recently because I just wanted to sneak in and see what it was like. And it was absolutely dead. And I think it's because the Brahma sucked. They weren't even good at all. And I I was, because at first I was like, well, San Antonio is a football team, whether they do, they do good or not, people are going to show up. But once they started losing, nobody, it seemed like nobody was in the arena. And I was like, this is where the championship game is going to be where nobody's showing up. And I think if the Brahmas would have did a whole lot better, maybe people would have came. But I'm just a little bit disappointed at the turnout of attendance and how it dropped from the beginning of the season till now. Devon, what did you think about the Vipers and their attendance? I mean, you were there for all the home games. It felt like that the attendance, it could have been better, but on those games where it was more, let's say, in the day as opposed to nights, mm-hmm. the attendance was good. But Cashman Field, I don't think that the time that the league had put together, that's not the, um, let's say, marquee destination that you <laughs> right. wanted to be it's at. It's not an ideal location? Yeah, you wouldn't right. obviously not going to get a Legion Stadium because they're not going to get it right. even close to 60,000. But uh, for me, Cashman Field just didn't feel like the place that the team needed to be. Even maybe Gorman or Faith Lutheran, one of the you know elite high schools around right. here that have basically a stadium. It would have been better to have the uh, the games played there. But just so much as the turnout, the fans that were there, they were active. They were mm-hmm. rabid fans supporting the team. But, yes, fan engagement could have been better. But, it's you know, it's a league. It's a, it's a new league. It's a right. work in progress. In Vegas, I, will, I can't speak for the other cities, but there's always so much going on yes. in Vegas. When it comes to what are you going to do, no offense to San Antonio, Carolina, but it's like <laughs> what are you going to do in San Antonio? I'm going to go to the Riverwalk <laughs> and stand on the Selena Bridge. <laughs> Yeah, for real. Exactly. And also, it's going to rain. Right. Is it going to rain in Vegas this weekend? No. No. Y'all are a desert, right? It never rains over there. I don't know. I just think it was like it it all came to a spearhead and it's going downhill. Right. (laughs) I got you. I got you. Carolina Teague is with us here. Raider Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. Now, I did want to ask you about the NBA playoffs. The Lakers and the Warriors, they play game six tonight and not in game five, but in game four. Lonnie Walker, a guy you're very familiar with, had a hell of a game for the Lakers. I think that everyone was surprised except for you. What did you see from Lonnie Walker, a guy who used to play in the organizations you cover in the San Antonio Spurs? To me, it just seemed very Lonnie Walker-ish because prior to him getting traded to the uh, to the or prior to him being let go from the Spurs and being and going to the Lakers in the free agency, he was coming off the bench as a sixth man. And usually, he was a starter on the team. During that time, he had these spurts where he was playing very, very well. He had he would get eighteen points, twenty plus points, and he was consistent with that. And I started thinking about it, and I was like, when Lonnie comes off the bench as a sixth man, that is where he needs to be. That is where he thrives. Because when you saw him play throughout his tenure with the Spurs, when he was a starter, he was labeled as inconsistent because he was either scoring two points or he was scoring 28 points. And then you'd see him fall off the map. So I felt like that was his sweet spot right there. So him being in the playoff game where you have two huge teams, the Lakers and the Warriors, he comes off the bench in the fourth quarter, and he has a tremendous fourth quarter. I think he almost outscored the Warriors in the fourth quarter. I think it was like 15 points and 
The Warriors had 17 points total in the fourth. I mean, he did a great job. And I just know that Lonnie has those that potential to be great. So I wasn't surprised at all, honestly. Keeping it with the Spurs, they are tied when it comes to the lottery odds to land that number one pick in the NBA draft. We're going to find out who gets that number one pick up this coming Tuesday. Is there buzz around San Antonio that, hey, the, the franchise is going to get saved if they can get that number one pick and get Big Vic? Oh, absolutely. I've been talking to people inside of the Spurs organization, and they're anticipating. Because, like I said, there was times where I was in the locker room, and it was just me and three, four other people, and it was completely dead, like an XFL media game. <laughs> like, it felt like that when we were covering it. And the the Spurs organization told me directly, we're anticipating getting somebody like Scoot or Wemby so that we can get people to come back and enjoy these games. So... Um, definitely there is a, a lot of anticipation for them to get the number one spot. And honestly, my gut is telling me the Spurs could possibly get the number one spot. And I think it's because in the past, the Spurs have gotten the number one lottery pick. And I think it's only just a, a matter of time where they get it again. Greedy, greedy, greedy. I mean, you guys had Tim Duncan, you had David Robinson. I mean, you have all those championships. Then I don't know how you have all those championships and then people don't go to the game. Like, come on, you won all those championships for the longest time. That's that's a little greedy there, I'm just saying. Well, it's not greedy. Yeah, it's greedy and it's spoiled. Honestly, right. I think Spurs fans down here are spoiled. They had a consistent championship team and a playoff team for 23 years in a row. And remember, I, I don't think I, I ever told you, but people would say they didn't have they didn't have to cheer for the team in the front rows because they already bought their tickets. They didn't have to go to the games. Yes, you do have to go to the games because in order for your teams to win, you should be at the arena cheering for your team. And Spurs fans gotten so spoiled. And now that they have a losing team, now they're complaining about it. Now they're upset. Now they're like, why doesn't anybody come to the games? Well, when they had a winning product on the court, they still didn't come to the games. So yes, they are spoiled. And I'm honestly sick of it. People get mad when I call them spoiled, but sometimes the truth hurts. And you just have to take take with it what you will. But they're spoiled. Uh, and maybe you're now that I'm, I'm going to change my mind, maybe they don't deserve Wemby. <laughs> wow. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't deserve Wemby. You know, if you're going to act like that, if you're going to act like a spoiled child when they're doing bad and you're going to be talking about Lonnie Walker and how he wasn't good and Spurs fans were relishing when Lonnie came back in the next game against the Lakers, or in the Lakers and the Warriors game, um, game was it game six, yep. game five, mm-hmm. and he didn't perform the way he performed. They're like, oh, that's regular Lonnie. That's what we're used to. They're so negative sometimes, and they're such haters that maybe they don't deserve Wemby. Maybe another team who's willing to appreciate somebody like Wemby can get him, and then Spurs fans can finally understand that maybe in order for them to have a winning product, it starts from the organization, but the fans also need to come together as well. You're not fired up or anything. <laughs> Whoa, buddy. You're not, you're not fired up or anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I don't even know what I was – I mean, you really laid it down there. So if the Spurs get the number three pick, I'm I'm, I'm going to tweet at you. Right. I'm going to text you and be like, you spoke it into existence. If the Spurs get – if they lose out on Victor and Scoot, yep. it's going to be like, man, Carolina – this is all Carolina's fault. Yeah, she spoke that into existence. I love it. I love it. Carolina Teague fired up with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. So real quick, I wanted to look at these uh, other series. The Lakers and Warriors, they got game – Game six. Uh, how about Boston and Philly? Do you think that uh, Boston could win in game seven, or do you think James Harden could pull it out? Ah, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, I think James Harden could pull it off. 
I want James Harden to pull it off. Yeah, I do. I mean, the Celtics, I love I love their team. I love the organization. I love Derek White. There's so many things I love about the Celtics. And I am low-key rooting for them. But I do like, you know, Philly, and I hope they pull it off. All right. Well, what about Miami and the Knicks? Can the Knicks force a Game 7? No. I want the – well, they could, but – my bias is showing I'm pulling for the Heat to take it all. I want the Heat to win. I want the Heat to win the championship. They're the underdog. I love Jimmy Butler. Uh, I just he's I heard he's Michael Jordan's son. There's conspiracy theories <laughs> around the internet. And I think he is Michael Jordan's oh, son. Geez. And, and we must have find out for real for real. So, you know, they were the underdogs, they were the AC, they knocked out the one seed. And let's go, Jimmy Butler. Let's go, Miami Heat. I'm rooting for them to take it all the way to the top. Jimmy he, Butler. Listen, I want them to have. I want them to have the rematch, the, the bubble rematch, Lakers versus uh, Miami Heat. That's what I'm going for. Well, that's cool. That'll work. I'll, I'll just tell you. I hate to break the news to you, but Jimmy Butler is from East Texas. He's from Tyler. <laughs> he ain't, he ain't no Michael Jordan's son. Let me tell you, he's from Tyler, Texas. <laughs> It you, does. You could be anybody's child. It does. Yeah. It does. People, some people have babies that they don't even know about. That Michael Jordan. Like Michael Jordan don't know <laughs> oh nothing God. about no Tyler Texas. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, you could sneeze and pass Tyler Texas. No disrespect. I'm a big. I'm a big uh, Texas guy, East Texas guy as well. Uh, but no, that's the the Des Bryant. Different story, right? I mean, his, his there's no the stories out there. Demond, you laugh. The stories and Carolina knows it. The stories out there about Des Bryant's dad. He's got like a lot of dudes that were in the league. Like he. He was a guy who basically had a lot of kids in Tyler. Let's put it like that. And a ton of them are athletes. Des Bryant included. I'm just saying. Just Shout out to him. Yeah, hey, man. Hey, the, the, apple, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So, we'll, we'll go ahead, tomorrow. We'll I was up. just going to wrap it up. One thing that I saw when you were talking about on the League of Our Own podcast, hot Cheetos or Takis, why? Oh, my gosh. Yo, so I deleted that podcast uh, because it was too much going on. Um, but, but um, I'm going to pick Takis because Takis, when you eat hot Cheetos, that's more like uh, when you're a beginner hood rat or inner hood rat where you, you know, just are just experimenting with hot chips. As your life gets harder and you're struggling, Takis <laughs> is where it's at because they're, they're tougher, they're stronger. Uh, they put a lot more chile, which is the, what is it, the hot stuff on there. I don't know how to say it in English. And then you squeeze it with a little bit of lime, it slapped really hard. So I'm definitely going with Takis as I get older. And I highly recommend if anybody's going through a tough time in life and you just don't care anymore, eat some Takis. Because when you eat Takis, that means you don't care about your life. And I eat Takis right now. And I'm not saying I don't care about my <laughs> I'm so confused. I'm so confused. But I'm just, just, just saying say when life gets tough, eat some Takis. And they'll make you feel better. Hot Cheetos, the chips are winners. Then, yeah, <laughs> I'm Team Hot Cheeto. Wow, I just I I don't know how this went this way, but okay, we got into Hot Cheetos and Takis. I was gonna ask you if you seen the seen the trailer for that movie about the guy that founded Hot Cheetos, but uh, maybe I need to find the guy who found Takis instead because he might be going through some oh, tough times. No, y'all want to y'all want to hear a real story because I heard about that one too. Uh, Eva Longoria directed it. I don't know how I found that article and I read it and I know exactly what y'all are talking about because I don't watch movies and y'all already know that. But I am gonna watch that one because I gotta support my culture. But <laughs> y'all should talk about the Frito story. There's a hot Cheeto story, but there's a Frito story and. My, my man got robbed. That's all I'm going to say about that. So check out the Frito story when y'all have a chance.
All right. Done deal. Well, Carolina, fantastic stuff. I mean, we went from the XFL to the NBA to hot Cheetos and Fritos. I never thought I could do it in the same interview, but we did it. Great stuff as always. Appreciate you. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your hot Fritos, your Takis, and all that good stuff. Keep on eating them. Thanks, guys, for having me on. And um, League of Our Own is every single Wednesday at 7 o'clock p.m. Boom. There it is right there. Carolina Teague. You never know what direction the conversation is going to go. How in the hell did we end up on Hot Fritos and Cheetos and all that? It was a topic that she had on League of Her Own. I just wanted to bring it to Radio Nation Radio. That is hilarious. That is so funny. I did. I just saw the movie. I mean, not the movie. I didn't see the movie because I'm not watching that. But I saw the commercial for the movie of the guy who apparently, and you said it's a like you already knew about it. I was shocked when I started talking about it. You're like, oh, yeah, I know about that. Yeah, janitor, that's the guy who came up uh, who worked at the Frito-Lay factory. You know, he just said, hey, man, I got an idea for some chips. And uh, I hope he's sitting pretty now. I hope he didn't get a— uh, So is that the one that she said got robbed, or is that someone else? May, who could—I mean, I don't know. I just know that he came up with the idea. They could have said, hey, thanks, man, and never gave him a dime. I guess we got to watch the movie. I'm not watching the movie about some <laughs> hot chips. Cheetos, Fritos, Doritos, whatever. Invention, the, the American dream. I'm, not, I'm sure they'll be able to, uh, to sell it in a world. I'm not doing that at all. We're playing chips in the world, one man. 422 is the time. Thank you, Carolina, for all that she went through, including dogging out the Spurs fan base, getting mad. She was dogging out a lot of people. I know. I know. She just she just woosawed on the air. She let every anger that she had going into the weekend, she let it out on Radio Nation Radio 920. We'll come back and get some calls and texts. And we got Mike Clay from ESPN uh, go over some uh, position rankings here on Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio. Mike Clay from ESPN will join the show in a few minutes. We'll talk about position groups, rankings, all that good stuff. He puts out a nice spreadsheet each and every year, really breaks it down. I'll just tell you, as we've talked quite a bit about the schedule and how many wins you're seeing for the Raiders on the schedule right now, when's the, the sweet spot of the schedule, when's the tough stretch of the schedule, Mike has them projected win six for the 2023 season. So some people will agree with that. Some people say they can't find more than seven on the schedule. Uh, I found a way to get to 10. DeMond, you had seven. So uh, I feel like probably, and this is kind of a cop-out, but anywhere from seven to 10 wins is probably realistic and reasonable, right? I mean, it could, if things go right, they could, be, they could peak out at 10. If things don't go right and they lose a couple games that maybe they shouldn't, maybe they'll be around six and seven wins again like they were last year. Yeah, so for me, it's just got to be like finding that sweet spot but if it's lower than six, if it's lower than seven wins, then we got to look at, hey, there may be a problem. But if they do exceed that, if they do get to round 10, Josh McDaniels, everybody, the haters. I know he would never say that, but I would love for him to be able to shut the haters up. <laughs> Ian Rappaport just tweeted out, the Vikings are trading three-time Pro Bowl pass rushers, Zadarius Smith, friend of the show, by the way, to the Browns. His reworked deal guarantees him $11.75 million in 2023. He'll be a free agent next March. Uh, March deal negotiated by his new agent, at Rock Nation Sports. So there you go. Zadarius Smith, he is now leaving the Minnesota Vikings and headed to the Cleveland Browns. And I say he's friend of the show because I was on his uh, basketball team when we played the little celebrity basketball game over there at uh, Cox Pavilion. He was on my squad. I had squad, man. I had him. I had Derwin James. I had Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill called me old school. It was great. Dennis Rodman was our coach. Um, yeah, we had, a, we had a hell of a squad, man. So we lost, but we had a hell of a squad. So there's that. Thanks for the clarification, because when you said friend of the show, I was like, how? <laughs> well, you clarified it, but it just for that 30 seconds, I was thinking, we ain't never had Darius Smith on the show. We didn't, but he had a margarita sitting on the bench next to me on the game. 
He literally came over with his glasses on, sat down right next to me. We were talking about the game, and I looked over. I was like, oh, you got some water? He's like, yeah, margarita. I was like, okay, all right. So that was going on during the game, but that's how we roll, or that's how he rolled, and I rolled into the game at some point. There you go. Superstar. So he said, no, it's funny, man. He he uh, he got up off the bench, and he was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. He told Dennis, he's like, I'm going to run up the court one time and run it back down. When I get back down and I pass you, go ahead and get me out the game. And Dennis is like, you serious? He's like, yep, serious. He's like, all right. And so he ran up. And he came back down, and Dennis didn't make any move to get him out. And he looks over and goes, Coach, go on, pull me out. So he walked right to the bench before any substitution or anything. So there was at one point five on four because yeah. Darius Smith did exactly what he said he was going to do. Go up the court one time and back down and then right to the bench. So I respect that. Well, he's headed to Cleveland <laughs> to go play with the Cleveland Browns. We'd like to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Mike Clay is going to join us in a matter of minutes. But let's hear from Ruben right here in Vegas. What's on your mind, Ruben? Hey, really quick, happy Mother's Day to my fiancé, Lydia, and my mama, my mom in uh, Corcoran, California, Maria. And I um, love the Paul Gutierrez interview earlier, and then I just caught the last woman on. <laughs> and I'm a Spurs fan, and we have been spoiled because, you know, we had all the five years of championships with Duncan in the Duncan era. But I just hope my Raiders, man, like, I, I was born in 81, so mm. I didn't get to experience the Raider glory years in the 70s. I just hope in my lifetime, you know, I got my Spurs, we got our five. I just hope in my lifetime, my Raiders could get some Super Bowls, you know, you know, in the future for my black and silver. But other than that, man, I love the show. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there in Raider Nation. And keep up the good work, Damon. I love Damon and, uh, damn, man, I got brain freeze. <laughs> oh, Q. Uh, Q. <laughs> it's been a minute, that man. other dude. Now you're the sidekick. <laughs> Q. Love the show, guys. Happy Mother's Day, Raider Nation, and go Raiders. I appreciate you, Ruben. Good stuff. Hey, man, look, it's all good. I appreciate you uh, chiming in on the show, and definitely happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, uh, including Ruben's family. So definitely appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm with you. You know, I was born in 76, so when they won in 83, I wasn't – I'm not going to say – acting like I was super invested. I know there's some out there that were. I just was not that one, right? So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping for all the youngsters, all the ones that don't know about the Raiders winning Super Bowls, that it happens at some point. So, you know, the fan base can get rewarded for all the faithfulness, all the blood, sweat, and tears, you know, just all the the representing for, you know, the Raiders and Raider Nation, all that. I I would love to see Raider Nation just super happy uh, knowing that, hey, there's a Super Bowl, there's a Lombardi, another Lombardi added to the trophy case. And I know that Mark Davis wants another Lombardi added to the trophy case. He wants the first one under his watch, right? I mean, that means something. And I know that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler want to bring that back to the silver and black. Now it's up to them to do it. Just because you want it don't mean it's going to happen. Believe me. Believe me. I've been in that boat my whole life. I've wanted a lot of things that never happened. So there is that. But, Ruben, thanks so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Join us now on the phone lines from ESPN is our guy, Mike Clay. You can check him out on uh, Twitter, at Mike Clay NFL. And, Mike, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Definitely appreciate you. And every single year we talk to you about the projections that you put out, and we just saw the schedule was released on Thursday. And so right after that you start ranking the different position groups from the D-line to the uh, edge rushers to offensive line, running backs, all that good stuff. What is the math? Kind of what is the science project that goes into like the formula when you come up with this? <laughs> How long do we have? It takes a couple <laughs> hours to, uh, to roll through all this. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a year-round process. I'm always kind of updating this. I, you know, I kind of set it up initially um, once we, you know, you, you kind of pull all the free agents off the teams, that kind of stuff, and then just build from there. You know, free agency happens. We add players back. There's adjustments for coaching changes, and then uh, obviously the draft. 
and the schedule have an impact as well. So it's just kind of a live uh, file that I'm always updating um, and, and doing research on and updating for league trends, coach trends, player trends, uh, personnel movement, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, just keep tweaking it pretty much every day. I update uh, the the projections and, and this long PDF I have with all the the depth charts and projections, all that fun stuff and, and go from there. So now we finally have pretty much the full picture, right? We have the schedule now. So uh, we pretty much know at least 90% of what we need to know for the season. And we'll obviously keep an eye out for any additional trades, for agent movement, watch for camp battles, injuries, that kind of stuff. But uh, we have a pretty good feel now for what the season's going to look like. Yeah, no, we really do. And when the schedule release comes out, as it did on Thursday, everyone gets excited. And of course, we always go through and say, oh, that's a win, that's a loss. And we do the same thing here. And I went through and my initial my initial reaction for the Raiders was nine to ten wins. And then I look at your projections and you have them at six, which is what they got uh, a, a season ago. They went six and 11. So uh, when you calculated everything and, and put everything into this, you know, this big science project, I like to call it, uh, how did you come up with six? Because again, a lot of people have called in and said that six makes sense to them yeah unfortunately i just don't know if they're there yet right uh you know i think they took made some efforts to uh address some of their issues this offseason but i'm not sure they really moved the needle enough i just see too many problem areas on the defensive side of the ball you know part of my process is to go unit by unit and rank mm-hmm. each team um and you know that's that's not a you know the, that's not the end all be all because you have to factor in you know the impact of coaching and things like that obviously players get better or there's injuries that kind of thing but it gives you kind of an idea of what each roster to, to other teams and unfortunately you look at the defense and the interior defensive line the the off ball linebackers the corners the safeties i mean they just don't quite stack up uh with the rest of the league uh very well i mean i do love the edge rushers obviously with crosby jones and wilson i mean that's one of the best units in the nfl so uh they have that going for them but otherwise i think there's just too many problem areas on that side of the ball you know offensively i think closer to average right i mean you have one of the better running backs in the nfl uh you have a really good trio you know obviously Devontae adams is a superstar but jacoby myers hunter renfro i like that uh, two, three punch there, and then uh, kind of a work in progress at a tight end with the veteran and Hooper and the rookie and Mayer. You know, I like Mayer's future, but uh, obviously rookies take a little time to develop. And then quarterback, you know, it's a question mark. I mean, yeah. look, I, I don't think we really know what we're going to get out of Jimmy Garoppolo. Is, was he a product of Kyle Shanahan, a guy that has made a lot of uh, below average quarterbacks or poor quarterbacks look good? Or is he legit? And will he prove to be an upgrade on Derek Carr? You know, I'm not I'm not so optimistic he'll be a, a sizable upgrade. If he is, maybe it's a little one. But um, I think that you look at their quarterback situation and look at the 32 projected starters and say, you know what? This is probably at best an average quarterback situation. And that's how I have them valued. Mike Clay is our guest from ESPN here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. You know, sticking with Jimmy G, how much of the fact that he just isn't able to stay healthy or hasn't stayed healthy plays into this role as well? Well, yeah, that's a factor. I mean, I've been projected for around 500 pass attempts and I have Brian Hoyer at 100, right? Mm. So that means that Hoyer probably is going to appear in a few games and that's just hedging a little bit on uh, Garoppolo's health. So uh, actually, if you look at Garoppolo's history, 14 starts is pretty good for him. So uh, we'll see if if he makes it that far. Obviously, if uh, if he doesn't work out and misses time again, it's going to be a problem because they don't have a a guy you just slot in there and say, all right, this is a, a, a still a good quarterback situation. But, you know, it's, it's rare for teams across the league to be able to do something like that. So, uh, yeah, I think if Brian Hoyer's under center, probably not a, a not a good sign. But again, I think even if Garoppolo plays, I just don't know if the support cast is, is set up here for him 
have a lot of success this year. You know, and looking back at the defensive side of things, and, and something stood out to me when I was looking at your projections, and you mentioned it briefly, was the edge rushers, but then the, the difference in the interior. And I believe the edge rushers ranked around seventh, and the interior was like 31st. And, Mike, I don't think I've seen mm-hmm. that kind of a gap. That's a huge gap between a unit that plays relatively close together and plays with each other. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, there are some teams out there like that that are just kind of stacked on the edge and, and not great inside or vice versa, right? You're going to see that across the league. Um, but just part of the process of kind of uh, splitting out splitting out those two rooms, not looking at it just as, a, you know, a, the whole defensive line, but rather the interior versus the the outside guys. And, and of course, they have question marks inside, but they're stacked on the outside, especially after adding Wilson uh, to a, a, an already very good duo. You know, we'll see how good Chandler Jones has, is at his age. He's getting a little older, but uh, still a pretty, pretty good edge rusher. So, yeah, like that group for sure. But I think everywhere else in the is a, is a question mark. Do you think that Tyree Wilson has an opportunity to maybe kick inside, not all the time, but maybe in packages with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby out there on the field at the same time? Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. You know, I, I, they're going to have to get creative. I mean, especially in, in third and, you know, third and six, third and 10, third and 12, whatever it may be, uh, especially with the state of the interior. I think you have to get creative and get those three guys on the field together, no doubt. Again, we're talking with Mike Clay from ESPN here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness kind of going through your projections and, and the big spreadsheet that you have. And you got down to the offensive line. You have the Raiders ranked at 14th. And, you know, I, I don't think that they addressed the offensive line enough last year. And then Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing. I don't think they addressed the offensive line this year enough. And we'll see what happens. Do you think that the Raiders made a mistake by not uh, attacking the offensive line either in the draft or free agency more? Yeah, you know, I would have. I, well, like I said, I think it was more important to address the defense and they did add some pieces there. Right. So uh, that's, you know, obviously for the future, that could be super helpful. And if, look, we've seen teams, uh, you know, attack defense in the draft and it's hard to, you know, some of these guys just don't play a lot, especially guys in the interior. You know, you look at a guy like they brought in like Byron Young, you know, you look at recent day one and two uh, defensive tackle draft picks year one, they don't play a lot, right? Their snap share might be 30%, 20%, something like that. So it's hard to really move the needle a lot for that group. But we've seen teams like, for example, the Jets last year just hit on a couple guys and, and you know, really changes the dynamic of their unit. So that could work out for them. Um, you know, but it, again, I think they it was more important for them to address that side of the ball, even if it's long term. But, you know, like you said, my my evaluation of the offensive line is that it's OK. You know what I mean? They're returning mm-hmm. four guys that played uh, actually five guys that played at least on 800 snaps last year uh, are on this uh, this offensive line roster. You have Colton Miller, who's developed into one of the better uh, left tackles in the NFL. And that's really the anchor. Obviously, tackle is the most important position here. So uh, we'll see if they can get, you know, solid play out of Brandon Parker on the other side. Assuming he locks down that job. And I know they like Andre James uh, in the middle. You know, if, the, if these guys are just solid and then Colton Miller comes back and plays superstar ball at left tackle, I think this can be a, a solid offensive line. If they can get that out of it, that's going to be big for the offense. You know, earlier here we talked about the the uh, projected wins at six, and then it doesn't help that they have the 30th uh, – def- or not defense, excuse me, the 30th ranked uh, schedule, right, as the schedule release drops, and that being yeah. very difficult, right? That's a very, very difficult uh, schedule. So when you have those tough teams that you're playing, how important is it for free agents, rookies, to try to get on the same page as quick as possible so they even have a chance to go out there and, and survive? Yeah, it's super important, especially in the in the AFC, right? I mean, the AFC is just so good. It's so loaded. They ju- it just keeps getting better. I mean, you think about a team like, 
the Jets, who a couple months ago, you might have said, yeah, well, the defense is better and they have Garrett Wilson, fine, but yeah, I'm not too worried about them. But now they have Aaron Rodgers. So suddenly that's another team that kind of leaps leaps the, the Raiders as a, well, I guess they're already ahead, but a team that's more likely to beat out the Raiders for a, a wild card position. And then, you know, that that's really going to add uh, to the strength of schedule, to your point. I mean, third hardest in the NFL, you got to play the Chiefs twice. I think the the, char- yeah, the Chargers are always good on paper. They haven't really right. lived up to it, but they're still really good on paper. And uh, with Sean P in there in Denver, I think they get uh, turn that kind of talent into solid play as opposed to what we saw last season. So, yeah, it, it is tough. I mean, they're going to have to come out. They're going to week one. They're going to have to beat the Broncos on the road uh, to get off to a good start. Because then you have you know teams like the Bills, right? And then the Steelers, and then the Chargers, and then you know they should be able to beat the Packers. I, I hope so. That's one of the games I have them winning uh, in terms of you know, better than 50% win percentage. Um, and yeah, the, I mean, the schedule's not awful in the first half, but it does get tougher. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see if they can kind of hang in the wild card race because man, this, this conference is just loaded. It really is. And then they don't have a bye week to week 13. So they better try to stay as healthy as possible as well. Yeah. Mike, Mike, I just got a couple more questions for you. How about five primetime games for a team that only won six games a year before? Uh, how surprising was that when you saw the schedule? <laughs> Yeah, a uh, little, little bit of a head scratcher. I mean, maybe they're thinking the defense isn't good. So it's Jimmy Garoppolo, at quarterback. People love that. And then uh, the defense isn't good, which means lots of points right. to, on the board. So uh, I don't know. We like we like teams like this from a fantasy perspective, right? Because uh, they give up a lot of points, which means the os- offense is still out there throwing the ball and trying to score points and, and can uh, lead to high scoring games. So uh, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it's just because it's the Raiders and it's Garoppolo and McDaniels and, and all that fun stuff. And and now uh, rumors that uh, Tom Brady could be a part owner, too, right. uh, popping out today. So all kinds of all kinds of fun stuff going on with the Raiders. Raiders. It is never a dull moment, Mike, with the Raiders. <laughs> Let me tell you, it is never a dull moment. There's always something going on. Like you mentioned, Tom Brady now partnering with Mark Davis with the Raiders. He already partnered with Mark Davis with the Aces. So there's a whole lot going on as far as that's concerned. Uh, final question for you. Just overall picture when you're putting these projections together and you're looking at positions, players, uh, you know, groups. What is the hardest position or even player to kind of evaluate for you? Uh, you know, it's funny. It's in terms of like doing the unit grades and ranking units one to 32. Uh, funny enough, it's probably running back. And the reason is the reason that running back is so devalued right now, which is that so many teams are happy with that position. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just uh, from top to bottom. It's hard to find a team where you're like, well, you know, that that's positions wide open or they have a major need there you know at the very minimum teams are like well you know what? we'll just bring in three guys and put a committee together and it'll be pretty efficient you know that's like miami or you know buffalo is trying to do that this year uh you know the patriots are, are infamous for doing it they, they actually the raiders are one of the few teams that didn't last year you know josh jacobs was a a feature back of you know 400 plus touches he had amir abdullah sometimes in obvious passing situations but it was really just the josh jacobs show uh, and expect that to be the case again this season. In fact, I hope he holds up. You know, it's going to be tough. You know, running backs who see that much work tend to fall off and miss games, substantial games the next season. So I'm a little worried about that. But, uh, yeah, I think running back is tough because I feel like I'm disrespecting every team. Because, right. Uh, the, the state of the position is just so good across the league. No, you're right about that. And I think the Raiders planned on going into running back by committee. I think that was the ultimate plan at first last year. And then Josh Jacobs said, I'm not coming off the field. <laughs> you know, contract yeah, years that, yeah. do that. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. yeah I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you. I mean, I thought that was bizarre anyway. I remember, you know, us talking about it in the offseason last year. And my thought process was, 
I get that that's what people are saying, but also have you seen the depth chart? You know, like Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs is by far their best running back. It would be kind of absurd for him to be in some sort of committee. So, uh, yeah, I was happy to, to draft him onto a lot of fantasy teams last year. That obviously paid dividends <laughs> if you did that. But uh, we'll see this year. Again, I, I, I like him and I want him on my teams, but I'm a little worried about uh, any running back coming off a, a high volume season like he did last year. There's no doubt. And now he's holding on to the franchise tag. Hasn't signed it yet, but it's worth $10 million and I'm sure it'll get done sooner rather than later. Well, Mike, fantastic stuff as always, my man. Uh, of course, the spreadsheet is fantastic. You always have a lot of different projections and it's always great to catch up on that. What do you have working on right now that uh, we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, just did uh, the schedule reaction article that's over at uh, ESPN.com and the NFL and fantasy pages. And uh, we'll just have some content coming out over the next few months. So, uh, yeah, always keep them busy. Absolutely. Well, you do great work, and we definitely appreciate you, my man. Thanks so much for catching up with us this afternoon. All right, you got it. Take care. Mike Clay, ESPN, here on Radio Nation Radio 920. 446 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Got a bunch of text messages I want to get to as we close out the show and head into Mother's Day weekend the right way. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? I got a, I got a thing now, Damon. I got a thing. Okay. This has got to be the end show song every day now. Okay. Onyx Slam, as great as that was, and that, I'm telling you, I know I said it yesterday on the show, dog. My dad, I don't know if I have enough time to tell this story, but anyway, my dad used to make me, we had these things called, uh, we had a tree in the backyard, <laughs> right? And we had multiples of them. And they had these, you know, flowers on them. And so the flowers would always fall. So my dad always made me go pick up the blossoms. That's what he called it. He said, go pick up the blossoms. That was my job every day, right? You got to go pick up the blossoms. We had like eight of these trees, like four on one side, four on the other. And then there's three. No, so it was like 11. There was a lot. Which now that I'm older and I think about it, these things are going to fall every day, right? They're going to fall every day because if the wind blows at all, they're falling. But he made me pick them up every day. So some, like 99% of the time, maybe 95% of the time, I'd get them and pick them up. Some days I would say, oh, there's only a couple, so I'll act like they happened after I picked them up. You know, you know how we do. Uh-huh. So anyway, um, I would be doing that, and I hated that job. That was one of the – even when my dad comes and visits now – because uh, we have these fake trees in the backyard, which is a whole nother story. But we have some fake trees in our backyard right now. And, like, they'll have a leaf on the ground. He'll be like, hey, boy, go pick up the blossoms. Outside. Like, he even jokes about it because he knows how bad it, it was. Like, there was no reason I ever had to do that. But whatever. It was, you know, it was a um, character builder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it built a lot of character. So I would have the radio on. In the, in, in the house, and I'd have, like, my, my room window open, and I'd have it up really loud and everything. And I always had the radio on. And so... That song would come on. Slam would come on. And I promise you, as God is my witness, my pager would go off. And it'd be someone like, Slam is on KML or Slam is on, you know, and I always knew. But I was like, yeah, you're right. And I'd always turn. That would make me lose my mind. But that JT Money right there, next level. I told you all the stories about the blossoms yeah. just to tell you about JT Money. JT Money. Yeah. So we got to bring that one back. I got. I really got to find out about this now. About I, what? I just got to ask some more people. Like, just was JT Money... Oh, JT Money was it. He was it. Oh, yeah, he was it. You heard Harry Douglas. Oh, you're right. You're right. That is. Okay. See? And and it's Harry from the South, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, okay, okay, JT. Harry went went to Louisville. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, so he's not like a Bay Area guy. No, no, no. Is JT Money a Bay Area guy? No, hell no. Oh, okay. No, no. I I just assumed. Nah, see how how you try and throw dirt on the Bay Area? (laughs) See how you are? Man, Sir Whiskey Ray just said, Q, I love that beat. Keep it going. See? See? I'm just saying. People know, man. 
That 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 JT money is something special. Let me get to a couple of these texts to close out the week. Got a text from Harv's from Series. You don't know about Series. That's out there in the in the two hundred nine man. That's out there around Modesto and Turlock and in between there. I think they used to have the water park. Was it? I think the water park used to be in Series. I don't remember, but it was it was around that area. Anyway, out there in the Stockton area, the like I said, the Modesto, uh, up and down that ninety nine man. Anyway, so Harv said summer hours are a thing. I'm a trucker. We pick up mostly agriculture stuff like produce in the summer when it gets really hot. We start working around. An hour or two earlier and clock out earlier as well, just trying to beat the heat. So there you go. Summer hours for truckers is a thing. We had Sylvia, if you're just tuning into this, the, the show, one, you only got a couple minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> we do appreciate you. But we had Sylvia in here from our sister station, Comp 92.92.3, uh, right? 92.3, the rock station. Yeah, okay. Just, I, always make, I always mess up. Whenever I think 92, I always mess it up. And so I don't want to mess it up and advertise the wrong station. So, yeah, she does a good job on the, the midday show. She was telling us that we had summer hours here at the radio station. Me and DeMond have never heard that. No ever. clue. So we got another text. Thanks, Harves. But we got another text. Uh, this one says from Big Deuce. If summer hours have been going on, you and DeMond deserve back overtime pay. <laughs> <laughs> That's out, right. Shout out to Big Deuce. I like that. Shout out to Big Deuce. Uh, Rob in Oakland said, I wonder if AD never got awareness of his body and after, after his eight-inch growth spurt in high school. He's pretty awkward and clumsy. I know the Dubs didn't approach the season respectfully, but it's, it'll be hard to stomach a series loss to that team with that player. I hope I'm wrong, but I only see the Raiders winning seven to eight games this season. How many games will we actually have a quarterback advantage? Can we actually have a winning record in the AFC West? Again, I hope I'm wrong. That's Rob in Oakland. That's a good point. There's not going to be a lot of games where you're like, well, Jimmy G's the best quarterback in that game. It's not going to be too many of those. So uh, good stuff right there. And uh, real quick, as you hear the music, that means it's time to wrap up. Danielle, who is our HR, sent us the email. She said, looks like we've been doing it since 2021 and we never stopped. LOL. This is from an email, May 25th, 2021. Hello, all. We are excited to announce we will be continuing with our Friday summer hours for the office. Office staff will be allowed to leave by 3 p.m. on Fridays as long as all work is complete. As a reminder, this is a privilege gesture on behalf of management. It should be treated with gratitude. So there you go, Damon. We can leave at 3 <laughs> as long as the work is done. <laughs> it's going to be hard to do a live show, but, you know. I mean, look, we can go on the road. <laughs> Where you at? I don't know. But the work was done at the job. So we rolled out. Lindo will get the sponsorship going, too. <laughs> That's right. Cadillacs for everybody. I'm just saying. Have a fantastic weekend. Shout out to all the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe out there. We'll be back on Monday on Radio Nation Radio 920.